Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nerd Nest. I'm Bill. I'm joined today by Carrie as well as Kyle. Uh, Rich and Russ are both out for the day. Oh, actually, Rich will probably join us in about a half hour. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get the get the show started. And thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, Carrie, why don't you tell us uh, what, what videos do you have planned or did you just uh, launch before we get going? Uh, sure. So uh, the I uh, launched the video yesterday. This was for the iNeo 2S, and it was uh, my full review on that. And my next video, I'm hoping they have it by tomorrow, is um, Extreme Rates um, uh, Translucent Shell, the Atomic Purple Shell, the entire process, how I did it, and the pros and cons of everything there, and also the tool set that they provide. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about the translucent shells of the uh, the different translucent shells for the the Steam Deck in today's episode uh, as well. Kyle, what have you been up to, man? You got a you've been working on a, a video for a couple weeks now, right? Uh, it's been about a week and a half. Yeah, I'm working on uh, comparing the uh, internal drive options with the Steam Deck, and then also like a one terabyte replacement. And comparing all the performance for them and seeing how it affects load times and if the swap file acts any different and uh, stuff like that. So when you, uh, for those of you that don't know, Kyle made uh, Cryo Utilities, which is like this program for a Steam Deck, which basically streamlines things, puts puts uh, changes a few settings to give you just a little bit more performance. Uh, do you feel like you're going to need to update Cryo by or Cryo Utilities? Uh, in order to say, hey, I've got this uh, SSD or I've got this SSD? Uh, I probably won't need to, but I'll likely be able to update it to have different recommendations for different size SSDs if that actually makes a big difference. Awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, we've got a lot to cover on today. I mean, Final Fantasy 16 is here. We had a Nintendo Direct that had uh, Super Mario Wonder. Uh, Sony is looking at starting to stream PS5 games while Microsoft is looking at raising the prices of the uh, Xbox. Uh, both Carrie and myself have transparent Steam decks, and uh, Carrie's going to update us with some of the uh, FTC versus Microsoft nonsense. Uh, but before we get there, let's talk about the games that we've been playing this week. Carrie, start us off. What games have you been playing this week? Oh, man, so I've been ping-ponging, but I've been, like, hardcore binging on both No Man's Sky and uh, Diablo 4. So this, I probably, <laughs> I put in, like, uh, what's the Kyle phrase? Uh, a shameful amount of time uh, into No Man's Sky in a very short period of time. I think I put in, like, almost 40 hours inside of three days. Uh, so it's just, like, truly a shameful amount, just really going through that and... Uh, trying to scratch the itch for Starfield, but then I've also went back to Diablo Four just because I got to get all the Lila statues before the season starts. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I got to get, I got to get back into D Four. So those are the two games that I've been playing. That's awesome. Uh, and you, you died in in Diablo Four, and you play on hardcore. What level were you? Uh, uh, twice. So level forty nine and level thirty four, and I'm back and... up to level forty eight now. Okay, nice. Uh, my non hardcore character. In Diablo 4 is uh, 47, and like I, I cannot imagine playing it, playing through the story on a hardcore character that first time, and like having to go back and start over. Once you've finished the story and you know you've leveled your first character, going back and starting over doesn't bother me. In fact, we're we'll all be doing it when seasonal content starts because. Um, 
A lot of people were surprised, but seasonal content requires a seasonal character. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of people who that's going to be a slap in the face for them, but that's just the way that Diablo works. And it worked in the last one too that way. Uh, but man, starting starting over fresh on my first tune, no thank you. That is not something that's for me. Kyle, have, uh, what have you been playing this week? Uh, mostly Final Fantasy 16. I've put... Uh probably a couple dozen hours into it not not a shameful amount of time but <laughs> a decent amount uh since it came out on know, last friday or something yeah i've also been playing uh final fantasy 16 so why don't we why don't we start there i just want to just for transparency's sake let everybody know that i did receive final fantasy 16 as a review copy um so i didn't end up buying it myself but uh i have very much been enjoying it but it's it like it doesn't i hate to there's been this conversation on twitter that's like it's not final fantasy and it definitely feels different but the thing about final fantasy is it always reinvents itself every single iteration and so for people to say this doesn't feel like final fantasy i'm like that's confusing to me but it does feel very different than all of the other ones and i I'm having trouble putting my finger on a good way to describe it to somebody as to whether or not I like how I feel about it. So, Kyle, how do you feel about the game so far? Uh, obviously, um, we won't do any uh, story spoilers at all in this. So don't worry about that, people. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, great. I think the the worst part about it is the performance. Um, even on performance mode, it can barely hit 40 FPS sometimes. But the actual game itself, uh, I love the story, uh, at least what I've done of it so far. And it, as I've played, the world has opened up more and more and more. Um, so while it's not like the traditional Final Fantasy, what I think people mean is like the 7 to 9 era, mm -hmm. um, I think that it's, it's closer to maybe a Final Fantasy X uh, situation where you hop on the airship and then you have to go to another location and stuff. Um, it, it's kind of like that. It's more of a hub and spoke thing than the past couple Final Fantasies have been or the ones that people declare are the true Final Fantasies. Uh, I don't think it's worse, but I think it's it's definitely different from what most people were expecting. I think that's a good way to describe it, too. It's not worse, but it is different. Um, so for me, I... Okay, I want to talk about the things that I like about it first, and then I'll talk about the things about it that I would really like to change. Um, so first off, you talked about the performance. Uh, I've been playing on resolution mode because I know that the performance mode has a lot of peaks and valleys in that uh, runtime graph. Uh, so I've just been playing it at the 30 frames per second mode, and it's, it's fine. I'm not really noticing any issues. I know that there's going to be hardcore uh you know fps guys out there that are like oh it's not 60 frames per second what a joke i understand that this doesn't feel like that kind of game that it really really matters it's not a competitive shooter so for me i'm okay with it not being 60 frames per second i would like it to be more but i'm okay with it being uh 30 frames per second for an action rpg like this um it's gorgeous the the creature design is fantastic like i'm very early on in the game and the the goblins and some of the first boss fights that i've had i'm like holy cow those things look really really cool i love the creature design 
And you know what else I really love that I didn't expect to really give a crap about is the UI. Like every menu and part of the UI pops in and slides out of the way in just such a, uh, it seems, it seems like the kind of UI that would be in a futuristic, like operating system where is for no good reason it animates into places and stuff and animates out and when it looks cool in practice but if you were using that operating system you would find it irritating because it's like all these slow animations to slow things down but when i'm playing the game i'm like oh i like the way that the ui did that just now as you're using it voice acting i like a lot the combat is really fun and uh, as somebody who has a, a, a crappy memory and a bad attention span, the active time lore system is really cool. Um, Kyle, you want to tell people about the active time lore real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, basically, at almost any time in the game, even during cutscenes, you can hold the center pad and it'll bring up some relevant uh, information for all the lore that's happening on screen. So it'll tell you like where your current location is, uh, bring up a character bio if you want, anything like that. So if you forget the game for three months and come back, you don't have all the friction for who who is this and where am I anymore. It's uh, It's been great. Yeah, the only friction that you're going to have is remembering the combos that you use on a regular basis, and you're going to have to like go in. Like they, I really like they have a like a training room that you can go into so that you can reacquaint yourself with how the combat works, and you can even like do old missions again, which I really like that. All right, so that's the stuff I like about Final Fantasy 16. One thing that I'm indifferent about, but I found really surprising, was this game's rated M. I didn't realize it was rated M because I was buying it for myself. And in the very beginning, like, there are people dropping F-bombs left and right. There's some kind of risque moment between two characters early on. And then uh, there's a moment that happens where... I think somebody got decapitated and blood sprays all over a character's face. And I was just like, holy cow, what just happened? I was not expecting that in Final Fantasy. How do you feel about that, Kyle? Uh, I personally really like it. Uh, I tend to lean towards more of the mature themes and stuff in, uh, in fantasy games. But um, it was definitely surprising. Uh, my wife and I were playing, and we were like, wow, I did not expect this in a Final Fantasy of all places. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now, the things that I don't like. And Kyle, maybe you can tell me if it goes away. I just feel like I'm walking down one long hallway. Does that feeling go away at any time in the near future? Because I'm super early on, but I just feel like I'm walking down a hallway over and over again. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, the longer you play, the less uh, frequent that becomes. Uh, there are definitely some hallway moments, uh, big, uh, big story missions, for instance. Um, but the further you get into the game, the more freedom you have to do what you want. Okay. All right, so Final Fantasy 16, I'm really liking it. I It's taken a backseat this week for me because I got back into Zelda. I'm trying to wrap that up so that we can have our spoiler discussion here on the show at some point in the near future. Uh, so uh, I guess that's what we've been playing out of the way. Let's move on and talk about the news. Carrie, uh, you were, like right before we started, you were sh- shooting in some uh, very interesting recaps of what's going on in the FTC versus Microsoft case. Uh, first first of all, everybody who's watching the, these three guys on screen, not lawyers, okay? So, uh, but take anything that we have to say here with a grain of salt. Uh, Kerry, you want to give us a, like the, 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 the recap of what you were talking about? Yes, sure. So I've been following a few different people on Twitter that are kind of uh, live tweeting this, though it's, it's going on. And there are a few different uh, key takeaways here. That is uh, the FTC trying to argue their case that Microsoft is uh, going to disclose basically uh, Call of Duty, so uh, make it exclusive to Xbox console. And apparently we just learned today what this magic number is, and they had a marketing expert in today talking about how if this happens, Microsoft could, uh, if they were to do this, 20% of PlayStation people would move over to Xbox. And at this number of people to move over, uh, financially, this works out. Uh, So this is what the guy was arguing, but then apparently the, uh, the Microsoft lawyer put a bunch of holes in his case because he was referencing Generation 8 numbers, uh, and then also for one paradigm was looking at global and then another one for us only. So it was like, they were just like shooting holes and all this stuff. And then the, the, the judge said, so it was like, so like what you think is, it's actually more like 3.4%. And like, apparently the whole courtroom left, uh, which <laughs> just, which indicates that, um, Microsoft would financially lose a lot if we were to take COD away from call of duty away from PlayStation's platform. But outside of that, right now it looks like. The entire crux of this thing is that the FTC wants to do a preliminary injunction, uh, which would prevent uh, Microsoft from closing this deal from happening. There's other things that are going on. Again, not a lawyer, as you've already said, but apparently there's deals where they could close over um, before the July 18th mark, which is supposed to be the deadline. And the CMA's appeal process with the CAT tribunal is not supposed to finish until the 27th, July 27th or something. So apparently there is talks that they can freely close over because UK is the only holdout and they could figure out something with Activision specifically in terms of distribution. Um, So this is like the last hurdle and it's looking like the uh, FTC is not going to be granted their uh, PI, the preliminary injunction. Uh, But uh, there is a lot of information that is being revealed. Uh, There's a bunch of uh, court documents that are coming out uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff. I have like Pete Hines from Pete Hines emails for like Todd Howard, but also to Phil Spencer, and they're worded a bit different um, in terms of like 
uh, you know, it's like he's like he's like you know what the f. Uh, uh, Call of Duty is going to be multi-platform, but we're going to be exclusive. How do we talk about this? Todd Howard's going to go to Dice. He's going to get he's going to get blasted on. Um, so uh, that was like his thing because he felt he was getting blindsided by the news. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just like interesting inside baseball stuff that we're we're getting, and then there's also parts there where you can actually see Phil Spencer, like like legitimately like yeah he's fine with Fallout 76 being on PlayStation now, um, and he has no problem along with that, but. He basically wants to say that uh, he doesn't want PlayStation to pick and choose which games are allowed on the service, and instead it should be a portfolio. So they have to come. He's like, EA and Activision do this with us. We don't pick and choose. They don't give us one thing. They say, here's the thing. These are the terms. And that's the type of thing that he wants to do. Also, there is some kernel of there that I wish that we could kind of figure out. There has been no um, ray tracing in Minecraft, despite the fact that it's on PC, and there was a, a build for Xbox available but they haven't pushed it public yet. And I think that the reason because of that is because there is technically no PS5 version of Minecraft. Uh, They're running the PS4 version on PS5. And I guess as a means to say, they could have said this as a, what they're calling partial disclosure. What they mean by partial disclosure is that Xbox is going to have the superior version of Call of Duty and PlayStation 5 will have like the inferior version. So it seems like because Sony is not, what did not give dev kits of PS5 dev kits to Microsoft to port Minecraft to it, that there are uh, domino effect stuff that Xbox people are not getting ray tracing Minecraft because they, if they did it, there would be a difference in versions. The Xbox version would be superior to the PlayStation version. So they're not coming out with it. Um, so there's like weird things that it, it kind of in a way Sony is, making the ray trace version of Minecraft not possible, uh, not happening on Xbox through the weeds, like if you were kind of read through the lines here. Um, and then there's other stuff. There was like something that Dextero posted, apparently through the FTC uh, emails or something. They deleted the tweet, but they said that the Sony PlayStation Q was going to be $300. Um, so there's like a bunch of information that we're all getting uh, and all this insider baseball stuff. So outside of just the trial itself, there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. A lot of people are making jokes. It says like um, uh, the like Jeff's second showcase or something. And it's like uh, another E3 for all of us because we're getting all this news. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty wild to see. Um, but yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell, kind of right now. Yeah. So the, the, the part where that you talked about that I think is really interesting is that whole Minecraft thing. Like I remember them showing off, uh, Minecraft running in rate with ray tracing on an Xbox. They had it in a video. It looked friggin' fantastic. It looked really gorgeous. Um, and then that never happened. Uh, and it's interesting that the reason that that never happened might be because Sony was like, well, we don't want to give you dev kits for the PS5 because then you'll steal our ideas. And that kind of foreshadows something that Sony has talked about with the PS6 because they're wary of sharing PS uh, PlayStation 6 info with Microsoft. Uh, here's what it says over at The Verge. Uh, Sony's PlayStation G, uh, G, Jim Ryan says the company is wary of sharing dev kits and next-gen console info with Microsoft for their games. We simply could not run the risk of a company that was owned by a direct competitor having access to that information. The development kits allow developers to have visibility to work on the feature set uh, uh, that our new console will deploy. It would, uh, it would a developer, that's a sentence, it would a developer may bring its content to the new platform later 
uh, than would otherwise be the case. The commercial risks associated with that knowledge of these features sets leaking into our principal competitor is not something that we'd rely on in any contract to enforce. So basically he's saying, look, if we give Microsoft our dev kits, they're going to steal our ideas and then they're going to have an advantage over us. And so it's almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy that Call of Duty on PlayStation is going to be an inferior um, product than on Xbox because Microsoft or Activision wouldn't have as much time to get the game ready. So Sony goes in there and they're like, Microsoft's going to ship a crappy version of Call of Duty to us, and it's because they want us to, to fail, but they can't ship a good version to Sony yeah. because Sony's not giving them the access to the hardware. But at the same time, I totally get what they're saying because I'm sure <laughs> Microsoft doesn't want to send Sony dev kits of the Xbox. So, <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation there. Uh, any thoughts so, on that, Kerry? So they actually, Microsoft did send dev kits for Xbox Series consoles to uh, the MLB The Show uh, developers. Oh, okay. Because MLB The League uh, said that they want the game to be multi-platform. Uh, yeah. So it was a, a Sony-made game that was on Xbox. Uh, so they cited that as uh, them getting that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very sticky situation. And uh, I, I it's hard to navigate, but it's like, you know... I. Microsoft is a giant conglomerate, right? Like they're humongous. You can't feel like, oh, boohoo, poor Microsoft. No, I don't feel <laughs> yeah, bad for him. <laughs> exactly, but like, but it's funny. At, at the same time, you like read what's going on, and uh, not only is Microsoft in third place, but because Sony has a market position, uh, the dominant market position, they're turning the screws on them even worse. And Activision is like, look, if you want COD on Xbox, you have to change the revenue split for us. Uh, you have to do eighty twenty. So not only like they're they're on the the back foot it's like david versus goliath and david also gets handicapped in this instance microsoft is david <laughs> but like it's a stupid thing to say right and mm -hmm. like what you what you wind up seeing is like oh david's david has scrooge mcdunk as his uncle <laughs> he, he's gonna even the score <laughs> that's, that's uh, too funny yeah so it's um it's a crazy uh situation but uh, along these same lines, and I just want to kind of talk about this really quick, and something that I didn't really, because I, I think everyone is focusing on, like, Activision's primary console stuff. So Call of Duty being their primary one, then you also look at, like, a Blizzard, Diablo 4, World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, all of their games. These are very, um, uh, very, I want to say above casual gaming. Like, they're still in casual gaming, but it's not the mobile market, right? It's not the mobile gaming market. When you look at, like, King, uh, ABK, the King part of it, apparently... Microsoft is arguing big time that uh, the king portion of this where they uh, is the crown jewel of this entire package. Activision and Blizzard aren't. And further along those lines, it actually saddens me a little bit because the prospect of me thinking that Xbox would make an, uh, a portable handheld, an Xbox handheld, makes less sense if they are going into an Android and iOS space because they'd be doing mobile games, but then they'd also have a console and those are going to be kind of weird right because like how do they navigate that so that part of that kind of like well wait <laughs> i don't i don't think i agree with that carrie but think of it this way it's it's two very different audiences the people who are playing games on their phones 
are not necessarily like Blizzard found this out the hard way. Y'all got phones, right, people? Um, they're a different audience than the people who are playing games on a handheld device. And it's just like King allows for, for Microsoft to acquire King. It allows them you know, like a, yet another revenue stream. But I don't think that's going to dissuade them from making games that are friendly to, say, the ROG Ally or something like that. Sorry, I didn't mean oh, to cut you off. I just no, wanted to get no, in no. there. I welcome I welcome the opinion. I'm I'm hopeful. Like I made a whole video. Like they totally could make a handheld. Like it's it's easy for them to do it. They they have a landing pad, a giant run strip where they can just land on this. Uh, but then with the whole inclusion of mobile, I don't really know. Like optics wise, I don't know where they're really planning on going. It's really kind of depending if this thing even goes through. Right. Like we're gonna find out basically on Friday if this is happening. Uh, it pretty much ends, and then I think the deal, like the PI, is July third or July fifth when the judge mm-hmm. rules on it. So if the judge says they're they, she's denying the uh, PI for the FTC, at that point, pretty much within that July fifth to July fourteenth, Microsoft can close, and the ABK thing is pretty much done. Um, so it's it it's not here yet, but it's. Until that news comes out, I don't know if I could properly forecast or like feel it in my gut that it could totally happen. Um, I just, you know, I think all of us are love handhelds, so I think the the idea of having, I think for me, an Xbox handheld with Game Pass just makes too much sense on like the surface level. So mm-hmm. I still want it to just happen, but the mobile portion of it, and I can understand that being like another whole tentpole, uh, and them doing it because they they have to because they're still going to do console, right? And that's still a separate market. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just interesting because from their perspective, also the leak list, they show all the other different companies they were looking at buying and acquiring and their filtering process. I should, I wanted to link that to you, but I had to get busy with something, but there's like, like a giant, Sega. yeah, Sega was on the list. Now Sega was a thing that I, would made so much sense because you, Sega and Xbox passed Dreamcast. That mm-hmm. felt like Xbox was the, the Dreamcast and Sega was supporting them all the way. Uh, a lot of the design philosophy, how it looked, the controller looked, it was almost Dreamcast-like. Uh, so I think a lot of us all felt like the Xbox was a spiritual successor to Dreamcast and Sega anyway. So for me, I always felt like that would be really dope. But also just having all of the IP that Sega has, I mean, they could make their own Smash. Uh, Microsoft could make their own you know, Smash Brothers uh, but on, from all the IP that they own. Uh, but, well, will own, potentially own. But... Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I just want, I, I'm, I'm selfishly just want the COD uh, Activision thing just because I have Game Pass. Um, and I could see a bunch of incentives, like for Hearthstone, the new expansion's coming out. And I'm sure that, like on Game Pass, they do these perks things. And if I could just like 10 packs because I'm a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, I already have it. So it's just like, it's more value to me. So that's the selfish reason that I want it to happen. Um, but from a com- competition standpoint, it's, it's looking like... Um, uh, Microsoft it doesn't is correct in their interpretation and everyone else's interpretation. And uh, there's been some smoking guns from Jim Ryan himself, basically an email saying they're going to be fine, more than fine, if, yeah. if they get acquired. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, FTC has a has a hard b- battle in front of them right now. Yeah. Well, all all I know is we're pretty close to being done with having to hear about it because it's been in the news for a year and a half at this point. I feel like, yeah. uh, and I think everybody is ready to move on. Uh, but it's it's too interesting not to look at this uh, train wreck uh, of what like legal battles between these, especially 
with all this stuff that comes out in Discovery. Uh, that stuff is super, super interesting. All right. Speaking of Xbox, uh, Sony earlier this year, or was it? The, or it might have been last year, but in recent times, uh, Sony raised the prices of the uh, PS5. Uh, in a few different uh, regions. Uh, the United States is not one of those regions. I'm guessing it has something to do with the fact that, uh, you know, Microsoft is, Xbox is so big here. Uh, they wanted to make sure that they were uh, staying at the competitive price. Well, Microsoft is apparently doing the exact same thing. Uh, Microsoft is raising Xbox Series X and Xbox Game Pass prices. The Series X will go up in most markets apart from the U.S., Chile, Japan, Brazil, and Colombia. In order to match PS5 pricing, Xbox Game Pass is going up nearly everywhere. Uh, Kyle, do you subscribe to Game Pass? You don't, do you? Uh, no, not right now. I used to, though. All right. So, uh, Carrie, you subscribe to Game Pass. I subscribe to Game Pass. How do you feel about this increase in price? Like I've been saying for a long time, it's the best value in gaming. Well, it's a good, it's it's about to be a little bit less valuable. How do you feel about that, Kerry? I still, I would still get it. Um, uh, the price increase, I think, is like a, a dollar on the regular Game Pass, two bucks, or two on Game bucks. Pass Ultimate. Yeah. So the price increase isn't like nuts. Um, and you know, when everything else went up, it, it's not great. I don't like say, oh yeah, no problem. Um, it's not great, uh, but I can wreck it, you know, just commiserate with the entire economy and everything and the things that they have to do. And however it lands, I'm still going to be a Game Pass subscriber, but I also uh, get a lot of my Game Pass Ultimate stuff from Bing Rewards. So I'm not really paying a whole bunch for it anyway. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, in our private Discord, I think Rich said that this was them boiling the frog. Uh, where they're going to start increasing the price. Like, you know, we look at what Netflix has done, where they've just continually up to the price and up to the price and up the price. And some people have shut their, uh, closed their subscriptions down, but I've, I've continued subscribing to uh, Netflix because I like watching some of the shows that are on there. And I'm just like, well, it's not really, I mean, it's a couple more bucks. What's a big deal? But when they keep doing that couple more bucks over and over and over again, like it adds up. And we just, you know, speaking of subscriptions, we, we just found out that there's a subscription, a new subscription uh, service for uh, from Meta uh, where you can get some VR games for $8 a month or $60 a year. Kyle, do you do any VR stuff? Nope. No VR <laughs> stuff. No. Oh, okay. That's fair. Uh, so how do you feel about this as an, in, uh, I know you don't play VR stuff, but how do you feel about eight bucks a month as a, as a starting price? How long do you think it's going to stay at that level? Uh, I mean, I don't know too much about the game catalog, so I'm not sure what the value proposition is, but if they're handing away those games, I would guess that it's going to go up after a year or two. Almost everything that Meta has done has uh, gone up over the following years of release, so I would be surprised if this didn't follow in those steps. It surprised me when they raised the price of the MetaQuest 2, and then they lowered the price of the MetaQuest 2 when they announced the MetaQuest 3, so I like they raised the price for like a couple, like I think it was six months or something. Carrie, do you do any VR stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have a bunch of VR headsets, a lot of them. Uh, do you? So are are you interested in this subscription, or are you just going to buy your games a la carte still? 
No, I buy all my PC, my, my VR games on Steam. Um, I do have a few on Quest in, in themselves, but truthfully, the prices are like Nintendo tier. Like they hardly ever go on sale. And when they do go on sale, it's very, very little off. Uh, so from the subscription standpoint, it makes sense, but I thought it was only like two games per month and it worked like uh, PS Plus like or Xbox Live Gold like where there's like just two games a month and then it just keeps on getting two more and two more. So it's like this growing library that you're paying into. If those games were fantastic, then sure. Um, but that's only because juxtaposed against the, the price per game uh, and lack of deals that are available. Yeah, they don't go on sale very often, but they're not super expensive, I feel like. Like, most VR games are, like, 40 bucks. Yeah. Uh, those are the most expensive ones. Yeah, it's um, but it's the value proposition of I don't really use Quest all that much, uh, and I use Steam all day, every day. And um, if uh, I'm also of the belief that Valve will make Deckard. So if Deckard comes out, I'm going to have a, a big VR library on Deckard as well anyway. So I w it's the digital ecosystem that I've already created on Steam is mm -hmm. already super large. And I already just keep on buying there. Also, I can get VR games cheaper because there's like VR bundles and stuff for Steam as it is. Yeah, yeah like Humble Bundle and stuff. I love it when that, that stuff happens because they're just, you get some ridiculous deals uh, through Humble Bundle. All right, so we talked about one way that that uh, uh, Microsoft is copying Sony, the raising the prices. Uh, let's talk about how Sony is copying Microsoft. One of the things that separates Sony's cloud gaming from Microsoft's cloud gaming is that Sony's cloud gaming is basically for backward compatibility. Like, basically, it's like, all right, yeah, you can play uh, cloud gaming stuff uh, or you can play some old games, but they're not compatible with our hardware, so we're just going to stream those to you. Uh, but that might change, and that, to me, makes the Project Q a little more interesting. Uh, n not $300 interesting, but a little more interesting uh, if you can start streaming uh, PS5 games. So you could perhaps buy a, uh, a Project Q or whatever it is that they end up calling it, uh, and your subscription and not own a PS5 yet still be able to play PS5 games. I know that when they announced Project Q, they said over and over again that this is to stream from your PlayStation. Sony has said that they don't think cloud gaming is going to be here until, would they say, 2026, I believe? I think they said 2026 uh, at the earliest. So that's why they're not like leaning into this quite yet. But here's what they had to say. We're currently testing cloud streaming for supported PS5 games. This includes PS5 titles from the PlayStation Plus game catalog and game trials, as well as supported digital PS5 titles that players own. Uh, that's from Nick McGuire, the VP of Global Services. Uh, when this feature launches, cloud game streaming for supported PS5 titles will be available for use directly on your PS5 console. So this, the way that they're phrasing it is so that you can play these games without installing them which is important because the, the the PlayStation 5, which, by the way, is the console that I play more than any other console. Uh, so don't think I'm like a Sony hater or anything. Uh, but that ships with a ridiculous amount of that uh, one terabyte hard drive is taken up by, like, the system crap. I think you only get, like, 600 uh, gigabytes or something like that on the, on the, the, uh, the PlayStation. So I ended up installing a two terabyte um, SSD. Um, you know, in order to 
add more storage to it. Do you guys think, like they're saying, stream it directly to your PS5 console. Do you think they'll also allow you to stream it to non-PS5 stuff? Like, could you stream PS5 games on your PS4 or on your Project Q or on your computer, uh, uh, Kyle? Um, I don't think so. Uh, in that article, if you look into the next paragraph, they're actually saying that you'd need the PS5 as a host device. Uh, so I don't think you'll be able to stream directly to uh, whatever you want to. Um so I no, still that's, think that's, they're, they're gonna... sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. That's what they're saying is ha the way it works now is oh, you okay. have to stream from your PlayStation five, but they're saying you're streaming from their servers essentially with this gotcha. new update. Gotcha. Um, well, I mean, based on the way they're describing it, it seems more like storage streaming than actual like game, uh, like visual streaming, like the actual feed of the game. It seems like you're just pulling the data for the game to render locally instead of actually pulling the whole um, like frame buffer and then pushing your inputs up and everything like traditional uh, cloud gaming is. Uh, at least that's the impression I'm getting. Um, okay. In which case, I don't think that you could circumvent the PS5 uh, since the Project Q does not seem beefy enough to actually run the games that the PS5 would be able to run. See, I, I'm not reading it that way. I'm reading it uh, like it's their games are running in the ser in the server, and you're sending your inputs like via Google Stadia uh, or like Google Stadia, and then downloading a video of you playing. Uh, Carrie, how do you read this? Uh, I didn't read it uh, oh, just yet. He's busted. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I don't. Uh, so uh, just to be clear. When I first heard Project Q, I looked at it and it was just like that dude, like that GIF, the guy like opening up the fridge and just like closing the fridge after he learned <laughs> about it. My interest for Project Q Lite is like nothing. So um, I didn't read it. So I do apologize. No, no big deal. That's fine. Uh, so, uh, you know, you guys who are watching us, you can let us know how you interpret this. Uh, you, you know, I think that this is a step in the direction of Sony saying, all right, what Microsoft has going on with Xbox Cloud Gaming makes sense. We should start doing that, and that's what they're doing. And I think that that's what is going to happen with Project Q. In addition, I still think if it's $300, like Carrie said that was leaked earlier, that's a non-starter. Uh, it's, it's not worth it at $300. Um, but if you can get this device for 150 bucks and you don't have to stream from your PS5, then that's a that's actually a win because the 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 problem with streaming is and I've said this a million times everybody's network is going to have differing amounts of upload and upload is where you need the most if you're the one who's doing a stream so if I'm playing on my PS5 and it's uploading and I only have like 1 megabyte upload you know I got 20 megabyte download that's no big deal but I got 1 megabyte upload it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a bad, uh, a bad experience if I'm using that the weird uh, photoshopped handheld that they've got. So I think that that makes no sense. But streaming it from Sony's servers, then I don't have to worry about that, and that suddenly makes a lot more sense, especially if they get the price right. All right, let's move on and talk about the Nintendo Direct. Which last episode we we kind of had our. 
Um, oh, God. People are yelling at me for saying bites or bits. I don't care. Yell at me if you want. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yes, I understand a bite is more than a bit. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyway, so let's talk about the Nintendo Direct. Last episode, we kind of gave, not predictions, but like wish lists. Um, Kyle... Can you give this thing a grade? How'd you feel about the Direct? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I mean, I'm more of a Zelda than a Mario guy, uh, so I think it was like a B tier. Uh, but I'm sure if Bob was here this week, he'd be giving it an S. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I liked some of the things they had. Um, I think Batman Arkham is overdue, honestly. Uh, I think that the new Mario games are pretty good. Um, a lot of people are looking forward to Pikmin. Um, but nothing super stood out to me except for maybe Super Mario RPG, which I didn't see coming. Did you uh, did you play the old one in, back in the day? Very briefly. I never beat it, though. That's fair. Uh, let's let's focus on Super Mario RPG uh, for a second. Carrie, are you interested in that? Oh, super huge. Super yeah, nice. OK, so you played the original. I did. Yeah, I played the original rented from Blockbuster. Like Kyle, I also did not finish it. Um, but then I started playing again. I still haven't finished it, but I started playing through retro achievements. You can actually see where my project, my, my, where I, how far I've gone along into Super Mario RPG on my retro achievements page. That's awesome. I have started that game multiple times. I've never gotten very far. I don't really have a good excuse. It just doesn't, I, I don't find it as interesting. Uh, but I know that everybody keeps talking about how great the game is. And people have been begging for the not necessarily a remake, but I remember when every time Smash came up, uh, they would always talk about, oh, well, we want this character. What's the character's name? The guy with the, like the blue outfit. Do you yeah, guys know Gino? Gino. Yeah, Gino. 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 Yeah. People are always asking for they're like, is it time for Gino? And everybody's like, no, that's a Square Enix character. They can't do it. And it never happened. Well, finally, it happened. And so now we have. We're having the, uh, the 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 remake of Super Mario RPG. How do you guys feel about the art style for it, uh, Kyle? Uh, I like it. I think it's. Uh, I think they're finally moving forward with the uh, Mario aesthetic. Um, so I, I I like how it's stylized. It fits the world. I feel. Yeah, and, and Carrie, do you feel like it 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 matches more like how you remember the original game looking? Yeah. So absolutely. So it's like almost those pre-rendered. Uh, types of stylized um, artwork assets that they had previously, and it's it's basically a, a better presentation than that. Uh, so yeah, overall, um, I feel like it's a pretty faithful uh, remake, remaster, mm -hmm. remake, 
Sorry, I thought you were still going. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think Super Mario RPG looks looks really good, but it does not look anywhere near as good as... Um, oh, shoot, my windows. Let me just close this. Uh, it doesn't look anywhere near as good as Super Mario Wonder. Holy cow, that game looks fantastic. And I know it's a side-scrolling Mario game, but the animations in this game are absolutely bananas. Kyle, you said you're not really a Mario guy. Are you going to be picking this up, though? Uh, I probably won't, but my wife will. She's a big side-scroller fan, so she'll be playing it. What about you, Carrie? Uh, yeah, I collect Nintendo Switch games, so yes, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll probably <laughs> wait for it to get on sale, but yeah. Yeah, so if you guys have not seen uh, Super Mario Wonder, I'm going to put it on screen right now. It is... It is a gorgeous game, and the things about it that I like the most are just the way, like when Mario's running, his hat kind of flaps as he's as he's running through areas, and like when he goes into a pipe, uh, there's a moment where he goes into a pipe and his hat kind of gets left behind, and he has to reach back through. Uh, you see his hand come out and grab his hat and pull it back in, like uh, Indiana Jones style, and then when he pops out of the other end of the pipe. Like, he takes a second, he takes just a quick beat to kind of look left and look right to make sure that there's no Goombas getting in there, like, they're ready to to take him out. Uh, And I just, I love that. And then there's, like, this voice acting talking flower in the game that's never, like, I don't think that that's been in, like, at most you might just hear, like, a single word of, like, Mario. And then, like, you read the text that's on the screen. In this, there's like actual voice acting from this character that that really surprised me. Not not as much as when we saw voice acting in Zelda, but I thought that this really surprised me. And I I'm very much looking forward to Super Mario Wonder and, and the the ridiculous um, power ups that you're going to get. Uh, like there's one at the very end where Mario turns into to an elephant. Uh, what what are your all time favorite? What's your all time favorite power up, Fox? Oh, probably the Tanuki suit. Okay. All right. For me, it's got to be that yellow cape that we only saw in one friggin' game. Uh, I love the ability to, to do that. that yeah. The, the way one. that the flight worked in that was just so good. I love that game. Uh, this is going to be a day one for me. Uh, it looks so fun. Uh, really, really cool cool game. Uh, yeah, Fender 178 in chat. Yes, it was Super Mario World that had the yellow cape. It was the. Yeah. I absolutely love that. All right. Anything else from the direct stand out to you, Carrie? Uh, so I do want to just talk about uh, Super Mario Wonder. One bit is that oh, yeah. it's not only not just the animation quality; it's how much everything else is animated, but also the adjacent the adjacent reactions that those flowers are giving based on apparently what what's going on. So if you see like him just like running away, the flowers like, "Hey, what's going on? Oh, I guess you're going." <laughs> it's just like it looks like there is. Um, just a lot of stuff that it's not just the animation. There is a lot of stuff going on that is baked under there that is also reacting and how you, so all you see the pipes bending and all the other stuff that's going on. So there's, uh, I I feel like this is probably one of a game that's along Nintendo's strengths, right? Is going to that extra detail, that extra mile for Mm -hmm. every little bit and just really extracting. And it's all those little details that add up and make Nintendo products, Nintendo products that, um, you know, everyone really likes. Yeah. yeah I feel like, um, what was that? There was a game. It was a top down game. I think it, I don't remember who made it, but like you had a sword or a bow and the, 
there was a narrator with a really deep voice and they would like narrate what you were doing in the game. It was a top down. Uh, uh, yes. Bastion is the game that I'm thinking of. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I loved that those moments in Bastion where the narrator was reacting to, you know, you getting your rear end kicked by some uh, monster or when you walked off the edge of a platform and died and then his story was over like that kind of thing. I thought that was awesome. Um, Looking at the rest of the the Nintendo Direct, uh, one thing that stood out to me, but I won't be playing it on on a Nintendo system, is Myth Force. Uh, as somebody who grew up in the '80s and was basically like, uh, I watched Saturday morning TV every single Saturday. My friends and I would lo- like love that stuff, and I I have very fond memories of the Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoon. And the, the, you know, He-Man cartoon and that kind of stuff. And Myth Force is a multiplayer drop-in, drop-out, um, uh, first-person roguelike. And the art style is unfriggin' believable. It looks so good. Uh, and I'm sure that this will play fine on the switch but i'm not going to be playing it on the switch i will be playing it on my steam deck or on my playstation or on my xbox or something like that uh just because i i don't really play games that are not nintendo exclusives on the steam deck these days i just have too many other options where the games will 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 just run better uh but this looks fantastic are are either of you guys interested in this one kyle uh, yeah, I'll probably be picking it up. It looks like a great party game, if nothing else, and something super fun to stream. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, Carrie, you got some nostalgia uh, for the 80s ca- uh, cartoons? Dude, so much. The, you know, they, they don't make theme music like they used to for, for us. Like, all of the theme music that came out for every cartoon show is mm-hmm. on another level compared to what's out today. But uh, one thing that I think uh, I, it, you, you should have like the the muscle memory for it because some of the animations that you see happening on Myth of Force, if you look at it, the, the bright uh, yellow, even those purple portals, uh, how they are animated is very Don Bluth Dragon's Lair. No, Dragon's um, Lair and Space, space yeah, Ace. Yeah, so when you yeah. see those yellow, yellow flashing, that yellow flashing is just my nostalgia for Dragon's Lair and all the Don Bluth uh, Laserdisc games. Um, so it has that, um, almost eighties arcade, uh, quality to it, but then there is that whole eighties Saturday morning cartoon stuff that even just these skeletons right there with those, they're exploding in yellow dust and just the, the bright yellow flashes that happen. Yeah. Those, those are, I don't know. That's just dragon's lair for me big time. So, uh, yeah, I'm super looking forward to it. It looks, looks awesome. Yeah, and it's coming to uh, all the consoles and Steam, uh, so this is definitely, like, everybody's going to have a a place to play this game. I don't know if they've announced whether or not it has cross-platform multiplayer, but I really do hope that they do so that we, like, we don't have to worry where our friends are playing. Like, if I decide to play it on my PlayStation, because that's the, like, I've got the like because that's the the system that I tend to play the most and Carrie's playing it on his Xbox and Kyle's playing it on his Steam Deck and we can't play together like that would suck so myth force creators let's I, I really hope that you guys don't drop the ball there uh and you uh you know make it so that we can play all right well speaking of speaking of uh oh Rich is joining us right now let me just bring him into the show and switch this over hey Rich what's going on man you're muted. Hey guys, how's it going? Oh, there he is. 
Yeah. Hey, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can yeah. hear you great. What's going on, man? Not too much. I'm, I finally made it. I'm a little late, but that's all right. That's okay. We were just talking about the Nintendo Direct. We talked about Super Mario Wonder, Super Mario RPG, and Myth Force. Were there any things in the Direct that like you got super hyped for? Um, Penny Penny's Breakaway. What what what's the name of that game? Penny's Breakaway something. So that game is made by Sonic Mania developers. Oh, right. oh Justin Whitehead. Yes. Penny's uh, Big yeah. Breakaway. Penny's Big Breakaway. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super excited about that one. Um, my understanding is it's it's the gang is back together and this is what they're making. They didn't Sega didn't sign them on for another Sonic game, so they're just gonna make their own thing and it looks really good. So I, I I think I kind of tuned out on this one, and I wasn't paying attention at all. That's the wrong button. Uh, there we go. I wasn't paying uh, close attention at all to this, but this is a 3D platform? Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's, that's probably why I didn't pay close enough attention to it, because I've never, I've never been somebody who's been super excited about 3D platforms unless they're Mario. And that, that may not be fair, uh, but that's, I, can't, I can't change who I am. Uh, but uh, what about this excites? Is it just because it's the people behind Sonic Mania, which they did a fantastic job with Sonic, if you ask me? Yes. I mean, I looked at this and I was already excited. And then I looked it up and I saw that it was the devs and I got like extremely excited. So that that was the one that took it a, a level beyond. But it also just looks great. I do enjoy 3D platformers. And this one has kind of the focus on like not quite speed running, but, you know, having that momentum feel. So it, it looks really exciting. It's very Sonic Adventure-esque. Yes, exactly. And, and I know you guys already talked about Mario, but I was thinking about this today, like all day today. Uh, and I just want to say, if we think about the new Super Mario Brothers series, it's literally gotten like much better with each installation. So the new Super Mario Brothers on the, on the DS was okay. Then the new Super Mario Brothers Wii... Uh, introduced the multiplayer and it got really good reception then two on the 3ds was really good and new super mario brothers u and luigi u are like my favorite 2d platformers of all time so i'm really excited for super mario wonder see my interest in the new super mario brothers series has continually de excuse me decreased over time yeah and it's not that i thought that they were bad games i just felt like it was more of the same but I mean, yeah. what do I? What am I expecting from them with a two D <laughs> side scroller? Like, how much can you change it up? And to me, Super Mario Wonder feels like, oh, this is changing it up. This is actually changing things. And it, I also felt like the art style in the new Super Mario, um, new Super Mario Brothers, really lifeless. And this feels like it is filled with life. If that makes any sense. Yep. I agree. I think I was into the series and, and kind of the pattern I'm talking about is more about like the mechanics, but I mm -hmm. agree. Like the, the actual art style felt uninspired by the time we got to the end of it, especially. And I think, you know, most people would echo your sentiments that we just got tired of seeing the same game. So this does both of those things, right? Like hopefully they continue to iterate on the mechanics and the mechanics are even better than they ever were. But now the art style is fun. You introduce some new mechanics to it and, you know, it's a lot more, not just innovative, but, you know, something kind of clever to, to play around with. All right. So let's move on and talk about, boy, this is such a weird thing to talk about. For those of you that don't know, this channel 
actually started out as StadiaCast, which was a podcast about Google Stadia. Uh, it was me and my buddy Lloyd, and every week on Sundays we would sit down and do a live show and talk about it. And uh, we were very bullish on Stadia. And then it was about six months before Google shut it down that we were like, I'm kind of done talking about it because I, I, I don't have anything new to say about Stadia. It was felt like the same same thing every week. Boy, someday it's going to be really good. Um, and it just it never got there. And then Google decided we don't want to spend money. They should have never done this. They We don't want to spend money in order to enter the games market. Well, making video games is freaking expensive. And, and if you guys didn't know that before you started, then you're further out of touch than, than everybody was saying that you were. Why? Google invested a lot of money in Google Stadia and building the, the hardware that those games were running on. And it looks like they might be trying to bring this back for instant YouTube games. This is coming to us from uh, Forbes. It says, Google may resurrect parts of Stadia tech for instant YouTube games. Um, basically, they're going to have games that you can play on YouTube. How is this different than Stadia? Well, I mean, Stadia was like, we're going to pay a bunch of money to get some AAA games on our on our platform. That's not sustainable. This is going to be something slightly different. Yeah, this is such a weird story. Uh, anybody have any reactions here? I'll have somebody start. Somebody start. Uh, sure, I can. Uh, <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> it, it is really weird. Uh, I mean, based on what the article is saying is that they're going to start with basically Android games. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't Why? know if there is a market for that. I mean, I assume it's the same people who played Farmville in 2011. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's just such a weird thing to do. And the only way I could think of it uh, as being beneficial would be um, if, if they end up just consolidating some of their like their apps and their app stores and everything and have to run them through YouTube for some reason. But it's such a weird way to do it. And I, I don't see how it'll work. If you're playing Android games, like you can just play those games on your device already. What, like, what is the point of playing it in, in a YouTube window? Carrie, do you have any, any insight into why they would do this? And would you ever, ever trust them after what they pulled with Stadia? <laughs> Never. I mean, like, even with Google Domains, I think everyone is just like, Google is not where you go for anything legacy at all. Um, so, you no. Know, uh, but also, they have a lot of uh, data that we don't have. So they have a better, un a better understanding of uh, how huge mobile is in certain instances and who's looking. And if people are on their phones already looking up videos of other things that are already Android app games, they do have some instances where they already have like that instant load uh, feature for Android uh, where you can quickly load into a game outside of just streaming it directly. So there's multiple avenues that they could kind of tackle this outside of just singularly streaming it. Um, I think it's an interesting angle because YouTube is probably one of their biggest properties uh, at you know outside of anything else and that is pretty secure and that is going to continue being uh, a, uh, its dominant position. Uh, but they, that, I don't know. It's um, I don't think for us it's it's a thing for us and it, it's kind of uh, an allegory of where FF16 is and how large mobile gaming is. And I feel like uh, we are 
unfortunately, um, just the, the dinosaurs in the room. Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody always talks about, you know, gamers and they say, well, hey, you know, the real gamers are, you know, the, you know, the people who are watching this show. Guys, we are a small portion of the gaming industry. The, the Most of the gaming industry plays their games on a touchscreen on their phone. That's how they like if you just look at the dollars that go into the gaming industry, the money that we spend on gaming is very, very small compared to the money that's being earned here. People are always yelling at Apple for not being into games. They have like the biggest game store there is. The, the, Apple and Google have the biggest game store uh, and they make buckets and buckets of cash on that. And that's why they don't like they, that's that's one of the reasons why you don't see Apple like really caring about whether or not these big AAA games end up running on a Mac or whatever. It's because they're making so much money on I, iOS that it doesn't matter. And the same thing with Google. Um, Russ, anything anything uh, in here that you're interested in for are you going to be playing games on youtube you said you said russ damn it son of a gotcha <laughs> i quit that's the sole reason he came in just you're right yeah yeah i'm bringing i'm bringing some uh, scotch next time and every time you say russ i'm taking a shot <laughs> uh, good luck man <laughs> no i'm i'm definitely not i i do like i mean like there does seem to be Okay, so here's what I think. I think it's just like all of these companies, these fan companies particularly, right? They they need to they feel like they need to get into the gaming business. So how are they going to get their way in? And so one of the ways that we're seeing that is Apple Arcade, Netflix games, and that's mm -hmm. what this seems like, right? Like it seems like a way to play games on your phone may may or may not be streaming. I think relating it to Stadia that that seems a little too muddy at this point. Uh Certainly, they still have a lot of Stadia tech that they can use, but they let go of basically all of their Stadia staff or that staff has been repurposed, right? So those people are no longer working in on games. At yeah, Google. the game developers all went and they kept hardware people around. Right. So I, I don't think that it's just a, a swift move from one product to the other. I think that this is a for them, this is a new product that they're launching. And I think it's meant more to be in, a, in analog to App Arcade and to Netflix games than to anything else. Um, and I, I do think there are some like prestige games on there, stuff to look out for, like App Arcade, they're remaking um, Ridiculous Fishing from Flambeer. So Vlambeer is getting back together for people that actually care about that. <laughs> like, yeah, those two guys are getting back together and, and remaking uh, Ridiculous Fishing. So there's some room for that there too. Yeah, I, I just I I think it would be I just I'm holding my phone in my hand and I'm and I'm on YouTube and I'm scrolling through looking for something and then you know some like mobile game comes up and I just tap it and I start playing that. I mean that that could be a compelling thing where it wasn't targeting like it's it's a very different experience where when you are playing a game, you're like, okay, I'm going to go find a game. I'm going to, you know, install that game or whatever. You're thinking about it. But if you're just scrolling through with your thumb and a game comes up, like, look look at Twitter and that stupid friggin' fake game that is always being advertised, even though I keep blocking them, of, like, the guy that has to 
pull the sticks out of the right spots in order to get the lava to not like melt the money or whatever. Like I tried downloading that game and I was like, what the hell is this crap? That's not this game. <laughs> I don't understand how that works. But as I was scrolling through Twitter, like I was like, oh, that's an interesting gameplay mechanic. I may actually be interested in something like that. If that happened on YouTube and I was just playing the game instead of being sent to an app store, maybe it would convert me. Carrie, do you feel do you feel like that could convert you if you were just swiping by and you saw it? Oh yeah, I think I, again, uh, Android has all these mechanisms where they can do it outside of just streaming. So I think that it's a viable uh, tactic to use. But like what you're saying, apparently I don't really play mobile games all that much. I play Hearthstone, and that's about it. Uh, so apparently through the grapevine of like just doing stuff, a lot of those mobile games, like you said, are completely bogus and have nothing to do with the game that they're advertising. <laughs> so there's mm-hmm. that one where the guy's like going through like a, a hallway type mm-hmm. of thing and he's like getting more people going through different flags. And that's not the game at all. So people were remaking that game that they were advertising. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> what is going on? So, yeah, I think that they have a thing if they didn't just make up a completely bogus game to advertise it. Yeah. Uh, it's really weird. It is really so, weird. I, I think that go. one thing that it could do is it could give Google access to customers that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. That's me. Like, I can't buy games from the Play Store on my on my iPhone. Uh, but right, yeah. I could play games on YouTube on my iPhone, uh, unless Apple gets in the way. But that's a, that's a different show. All right. Uh, last, last topic from for today. Uh, and this is this one kind of hurts my heart a little bit, uh, and that is that this this kind of came out as part of all of the FTC Xbox stuff. Apparently, Phil Spencer has confirmed that Elder Scrolls Six is about five plus years away. Let's go back in time. What was it? It was five. It was five years ago that they did the. The the little like they showed the world and it said Elder Scrolls Six. Right? Was it five years? Five years. So it's going to be 10 years before we actually have uh, play this. Carrie, what were you saying? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think, uh, so for me, when he said five years away, I'm like, well, 2028, that's when PlayStation 6 and the next Xbox are supposed to come out. Mm -hmm. That just seems like a launch title for your next Xbox is what that is. Uh, So I think Mm -hmm. largely that's what they're targeting is that this is going to be their next gen game or their next gen thing that they're going to launch with, which is wise. Uh, Wise today, especially if it's, they're giving them that runway and just like, yeah, just make it the best thing ever. Uh, plus, Starfield is going to be, uh, well, I'm hoping it's going to be amazing. So I'm looking forward to that anyway. Fingers so. crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rich? Yeah, I think, you know, five years is a typical game dev cycle at this point. Um, and so you wonder, well, hasn't production started? And I, I don't know how Bethesda specifically works, but typically a game like um Starfield, right? You're not going to have another game in production when Starfield is in production. So Elder Scrolls 6 would have been in pre-production this whole time. You just don't have the staff to be in production for two 
humongous games, uh, at least from what I've seen, right? So yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why they announced it five years ago, knowing that they wanted to work on Starfield and release that, but it it doesn't. It also doesn't surprise me that they haven't even really begun production until Starfield is released. So that's what that's what I'm expecting. Carrie has so, thoughts. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to quickly just uh, touch base on, and this is something that I learned on later, or I've heard this through the grapevine. You look at the Wolverine CGI trailer that came out for PlayStation, right? And it's just a CGI trailer. Apparently, the industry does that as a, a call to people that want to work on the game. So whenever mm-hmm. you see the thing that is coming out, it's not that they even have anything, but they're basically trying to attract talent to come work on the project. So when you see that thing, it's not like it's been worked on. It's literally in a pre-production phase, and there's just kind of collecting themselves. So that is when you see the 2018, you know, Elder Scrolls Six. That's people to get interested and try to join Bethesda. So they're still in that thing. And they, as I understand it, like you said, Starfield, as Starfield be coming down, Elder Scrolls Six is going to start picking up. So it's like. They've already done all that pre-production stuff and how involved they get with voice action stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to add that little bit of detail that I heard through the grapevine that I have no way to verify or say anything, but it sounds like it's correct. So you're telling so me that that's, that's not the actual graphics? <laughs> <laughs> for Wolverine? Yeah, for Wolverine. And, Thank you. Yes, that's the reference yeah. I was making. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's why Phil Spencer was wearing that Hexen shirt. <laughs> I think I, I, it's this, I think he does that for the same reason that Reggie Fizeme wore like mother pins or Metroid pins is just to troll us because mm-hmm. he knows same thing why he puts stuff on his shelf behind him <laughs> just to yeah. troll us so that we're always looking for something like oh Bill's got a plant on his desk he must be talking about the new Pikmin game yeah, that's <laughs> that's not how it works um, nice. anything to add in there Kyle. Um, I would also say that those early CGI trailers are meant as a litmus test for whether they should proceed into full production. Um, I mean, there's been several historical uh, accounts of that. I mean, even Twilight Princess almost didn't get made. The only reason it did is because they made a trailer for it. So um, I think that that's probably the tw- the reasoning uh, for the 2018 uh, teaser f- for a game that wouldn't come out for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it makes me, it reminds me a lot of when we saw Square Enix announce uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, and then they at, at the next E3 they showed it again, and the next E3 they, they like they showed that at E3 for like three years in a row, and then they didn't talk about it for two years before it finally came out. Um, one of the things that I I did say that we were wrapping up, but there's one thing that we forgot to talk about, and that's that Carrie and I both have transparent Steam decks. Uh, Carrie, I know that you got a video coming out about this tomorrow. What was what was the process like for you uh, uh, making this? Uh, so the tool set that Extreme Rate gives isn't ideal, uh, but everything is rather simple. Outside, it's if you take a look at like the difficulty curve, everything is super simple, and then taking off the screen is like <laughs> hockey stick difficulty. That thing is cemented on, and I don't have a heat gun available to me here. I have I have a friend that has a heat gun, but yeah, I was just like putting a hairdryer on it and just going over and over and just kept on like using a suction cup to kind of like pull it off. It is so hard to get that off without breaking or damaging it. And there's a process to get to it outside of that ribbon cables and all that other stuff. Um, zero insert, uh, their zip socket, zero insertion force. Um, that type of stuff is simple. Um, so I don't ha- I've done that forever. So all that it's is like super easy, <laughs> unreasonably hard. And then that, that was it. So that's the only thing that I would say as a, 
as a kind of a cautionary thing is be prepared to take off that screen because it is a challenge. A- any advice in terms uh, of the get, heat? Like, get, yeah. yeah. So if uh, ideally, if you can have two people help you, like one person that is holding and putting on the uh, like a blow dryer oh, yeah. or a heat gun, and you can work on it uh, at like the edges, just yep. slowly start to pry at it and get like a, a spudger in there to kind of peel away at the glue. Uh, having two advice. people is massively helpful. I had to do it by myself, but yeah, I was worried sick because like even phones are easier to use a, 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 a suction cup to pull off the screen. This thing is yep. glued on. Yeah, it, it took me, and I am not a, so. I did uh, so. First off, George Elliott in chat says the the thing that I was just going to say for advice: just buy an extra screen, screen <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about it uh, oh, because you, you could just then you don't you just leave the old one in. Because it was an, it, like Carrie is not joking. It was an absolute nightmare. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a live stream of it. And so I set <laughs> up a top-down camera, and I sat here, and I thought, well, okay, it'll take me like three or four hours, right? The the iFixit guide says it's between three and five hours. I figure, ah, oh, it'll probably take me three and four hours. I watched like how to do it, like a video on how to do it, and I was like, okay. That doesn't look too bad. Just like Carrie's saying, like you're just unscrewing stuff and screwing stuff back in. In the video, they don't show anything about how hard, how well it's glued down. And then there is a step of cleaning the glue off your old screen. And two hours of my seven-hour stream was me cleaning glue off of the screen. It was insane how hard it was. It, it was, yes, uh, uh, Mac 22 in chat is saying the glue removal was a nightmare. Yes, it was a nightmare, absolute nightmare. If you're going to do this, do yourself a favor, spend extra money and just get another screen because then you don't have to worry about that. But uh, I will say as somebody, like Carrie said, he does this stuff all the time. I never do this stuff. Ever. The biggest modification that I ever did to a device was putting Hall Effect joysticks in the Steam Deck. And I didn't even solder those. I went to a friend and said, hey, can you solder this for me? Because I don't know how to run a soldering iron. Putting this thing together and taking it taking it apart, if I can figure it out, anybody can figure it out. And that's my most recent uh, video is was like just me talking about this process with some B-roll over it. Uh, so guys, make sure that you guys check that out. Uh, Kyle, R- uh, Rich, are you guys interested in doing this? Yes. Yeah, so I have. I actually have uh, Jay Sox's version here, and I plan on doing it soonish. Yeah. So, and I'm. Go ahead. I'm definitely gonna. I'm definitely now. I'm definitely gonna buy another screen, and it's gonna be called <laughs> "I Cheated" on this. <laughs> I can't wait. Now I'm That's definitely a good doing thumbnail that. right there. I cheated. Oh yeah. man, uh, Carrie, would you would you do it if you were gonna do it again? Would you just get a different screen instead of the fighting with the glue? Um, no, I'd probably just fight fight with it again. Uh, now I know I had to do it a little bit better, so I'd probably just do it myself again. Uh, I didn't have a, like a mountain of problems because I've done this before myself uh, on other applications, iMacs, uh, phones and tablets and other stuff. So it's it's not something that's new to me. It's just how incredibly hard it was. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I'll probably just do it all over again. I, I'm just w- wondering if I'm going to use the JSOX one or another extreme rate one. So, you you know, we were talking and you said that the uh, the tools for the extreme rate one you weren't really happy with. Didn't you ended up using the JSOX tools uh, with the extreme rate 
um, shell. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I use all of Extreme Rate's tools up to the point of the, of the suction cup. Uh, overall, their tools are mediocre at best. JSOX, uh, enti- they also give you like a, a plastic tray and an underlay where you can place stuff into as you're taking it apart, which I thought was like super nice. But outside of that, their tools are also superior just in general. But I use the screwdriver that was provided by Extreme Rate, and it's just really cheap, not great. Like when I was putting everything back in, my my hands were hurting me when uh, trying to put everything back in. I wound up switching to another screwdriver because I was trying to do it all like authentic of like what a user would have available mm-hmm. to them. And I was frustrated by that experience. I will say that Extreme Rates shell and all the buttons and everything are actually great. Also, because for us, for the people that got like a, a launch day Steam Decks, the Steam button and the Quam button were kind of crappy. Uh, they just felt like junk when you pushed into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Extreme Rate ones have a little bit more play and they can press down better so oh, i i've I like been that. yeah i've been much happier switching out my steam and quam buttons uh so yeah uh that has been uh, positive for me all right so you guys heard it here first it's called a quam button <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't know i don't know how to do q u uh, yeah i don't know how to pronounce it no it's fine you, I you've just, been I, calling it quam since pre-launch yeah yeah i've always called it quam yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I never actually heard you say it because I always just call it the quick access menu um, (laughs) or the three dots because I like to make fun of that World of Warcraft guy. Uh, (laughs) But the the quam, I like it. Uh, So, you know, let us know in chat. Are you guys going to be replacing the shells for your Steam Deck or are you going to leave them uh, stock as is? You know, I I did run into a problem where my quick access menu felt like spongy the next day. And so I had to take the backpack off and go looking. And my um, my membrane had like moved when I put the thing down. Uh, Everything's fine now. But I do kind of wish that I had the extreme rate one because the JSOX one does not come with replacement buttons. And that's like been my biggest complaint about the Steam Deck is the Steam button and the quick access menu button they feel like garbage when you compare it to all of the rest of the Steam Deck. Like, those two buttons feel bad. And everything else about the Steam Deck, I feel, feels great. You were going to say something, Rich? Yeah, no details yet, but steamdeckbuttons.com. <laughs> so, okay, I'm yeah. going Col- Colored controllers on Twitter is teasing new Steam Deck buttons. I think they're going to include Steam and Quam buttons. Um, but, yeah, I... I think he did a reveal at too many games this weekend, but I wasn't there, so I have no idea. But yeah, so steamdeckbuttons.com. That might be a fun See n- now next the, mod, Bill. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I g- be completely honest, because I'm not taking the screen out, I don't care. That's easy. Like taking it completely exactly. apart and putting it to put completely back together, not a big deal as long as you're not taking the screen or the battery out where they got glue. Yep. Yeah, so maybe I will. What were you going to say, Carrie? Yeah, yeah. Also because of how they compartmentalized everything in all of the ribbon cables, you can literally just take out just the face button side and just get to that part to put a new button. So it's super easy. Like, it's alarmingly easy how easy it is to disassemble (laughs) a a Steam Deck outside of the screen. Um, But yeah. um, Yeah, he also threatened me on Twitter. He's like, be prepared to do that all over again. And I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> the screen part of it. But uh, yeah. for everything else, yeah. it's super, super easy. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right, real quick. We did have a super chat during the show. Uh, it came in from Driven By. They said, congratulations on the Steam Deck mod, Bill. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you for supporting the channel uh, with a super chat. Emilio Sanchez, 
at, had a question. They said, are you guys bringing up the that Bethesda is partnering with AMD yeah. for Starfield in today's episode? So I read about that this morning, and I haven't had time to really get into it. Does, uh, Rich, you have some thoughts on this? A, a little bit. So Emilio and I actually spoke about it um, earlier today. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, the big downside of this is do do we get DLSs? DLSS support. It's it seems unclear if we're still getting that. I guess the upside could be that that means it'll run better on PC handhelds. But I don't know. I don't know how much of this is just marketing and how much of this is how the resources they're dedicating to supporting AMD functionality versus not supporting NVIDIA functionality. Mm, mm-hmm, that's fair. Uh, anybody else uh, want to jump in on that before we wrap up, Carrie? Uh, yeah, so there, there's there been um, some rumblings about this prior to even Starfield mentioning that they were partnering with AMD in this particular regard for FSR. Uh, there has been rumblings on like, the PC sphere side is like, hey, has anyone noticed that uh, anything that is AMD sponsored doesn't have DLSS in it? And there has been some muddying of like uh, back and forth. Apparently, there are some developers from AMD that are working on it in their Discord that have disputed that AMD is doing anything to make this exclusive. Uh, they're saying that, in effect, all like the TAA side, and if you're going to bring up that entire part, that all of this stuff can just kind of get slotted in a lot easier. And they're not trying to exclude DLSS from this. So there seems to be some ships passing by and people just t- talking past each other. I really wish that AMD would make a an announcement about this because it seems like developers from AMD, as far as they're concerned, this is not any type of a thing for that AMD is doing that is making it exclusive. Uh, so it remains to be seen where this uh, news is coming from. Anything to add to that, Kyle? Uh, I would just say that I, it's not surprising to me. Both of the modern consoles run AMD designs. That's true. Um, and I mean, the from what I've heard, I don't know if this is 100% true, but adding uh, DLSS and frame generation support and everything isn't free. It's apparently like a more involved process. So I'm not sure if it's just a cost saving or whatnot, but um, it could just be that FSR is much easier to implement. So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, we did just get a super chat that came in from ACD Nan Adby, and they said, um, is it possible for Valve to implement ad hoc networking functionality into the Steam Deck, allowing multiple Steam Decks to connect and communicate directly for on- offline multiplayer? I don't know if it's possible. I made a video requesting this, like the the like when the Steam Deck first came out. I like the thumbnail was a picture of a Nintendo Switch, and it said, "Valve, steal this," because that is one of the coolest things that the Switch does. Is if you're just around other people with a Switch. You guys don't have to have Wi-Fi in order to, like, play a game of Mario Kart with each other. And that's something that Valve and uh, Asus and uh, Ion and every all, all these other companies, like, they need to find a way to do that to where it can just make a network on the fly without having to have the user jump through hoops because there's uh, there's I guarantee there's going to be people in chat that are like well Bill all you really have to do is open up the console and type in 78 <laughs> commands and make sure that this one's uppercase and this one's lowercase and this one has an underscore and to which case I say 
go away. I don't want to hear your crap. You can I just do want it in desktop mode in a GUI. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to click a button and have it work automatically. <laughs> but that's not what that's not what Abdi is asking for. So go ahead and and tell us, Kyle, how do people do that easily? Uh, if you go to desktop mode and then your network manager, you can set up an ad hoc network right through the UI. You just add a network and then use your uh, wireless device as the as the source adapter for it. And it's it's pretty easy. Uh, you'd need to know very very basic networking, but that's about it. All right, so there you go. That's cool. how it works. All Valve has to do is make it just happen automatically. Just a button that goes and does that while I sit and wait for it to connect. And then <laughs> and then we're good. Go ahead, uh, Carrie. Yeah, so I mean, on top of that, I think one other way that, that I think I would like it to be as a little bit more of a friendly option, it may, may not be the, the best option, but along those same lines, having something in the Steam Deck that is actually uh, Steam Remote Play, um, so you're just basically streaming video to another Steam Deck, uh, and I don't know how many of that can go far, but going one to another, I've done it on my own network to someone else. I actually did that with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when that game came out. I played with my buddy where I streamed my game to him on the Steam Deck. Uh, so there is that. I think that there's an avenue there of like a local. Mul- mul- you're basically making a local multiplayer session, essentially as far as the game is concerned, and that I think could be as a barrier very very low so that's something that i would like to see especially with how popular the steam deck is uh by itself um and it probably could work in steam for windows as well and so insofar as the steam client connecting to a steam deck on windows with uh, steam os i think that would be um something that's probably easier for them to do because they already have a lot of the apparatus already created so that's something that i think would be worthwhile but that's not exactly what is being asked for here yeah, and Jasper's uh, brings up a good point. They say very few Steam games run just over the network. That's true. A lot of them don't have the option for uh, local play. And so that might be something that would only work on a, on a game-to-game basis where, yeah, you can make a local network, but you're still going to have to connect to the Internet in order to like do the multiplayer because that's the way that the games are actually made, if that makes any sense. All right. Well, I think that does it for today's episode of the Nerd Nest podcast. If you are uh, watching this over on the YouTube channel, uh, then make sure that you subscribe to the to, to the other guys' channels. Uh, Carrie, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Uh, I'm uh, the Fox on YouTube. Uh, and, oh, look, I, I didn't even have to ask him to spell it this time <laughs> because I know that people type it wrong and then they just give up. Uh, <laughs> Rich, why don't you tell people where they can find your stuff? Yep, I am fan the deck at YouTube. And then we got Kyle. Uh, Cryobyte33, that's C-R-Y-O-B-Y-T-E 33. Awesome. And I and I am uh, at NerdNest, which if you're watching this on YouTube, you already know that. If you are uh, interested in checking out the audio version of the podcast, then make sure that you uh, look for it in whatever your favorite podcasting app is. And once you find it, rate it five stars. Uh, really appreciate it. So far, the... The audio podcast uh, in this, I don't know if people understand how like how this works for the audio podcast, but the audio podcast has already been downloaded. Um, if you just count the episodes that were, were of the Nerd Nest podcast, not the ones that were before, because the, the, the feed's been around for a while. It's already been downloaded like 30 or 40,000 times, which for a pod for an audio podcast, that's great. And on YouTube, 
this podcast on YouTube has already had 100,000 views. Uh, so after th- 13 Amazing. or 14 episodes, that's doing really, really well for a podcast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just happy that you guys joined me uh, on this show because it's so much fun. And I look forward to having these conversations every week. And big thank you to everybody who comes and hangs out with us in the live show uh, when we do these as well over at YouTube.com slash nerdnest. All right. Uh, That's it for today's episode. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. And we will see you next time from the Nerd Nest. I'm Bill. Stay rad, everybody. Bye-bye.